Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We are currently exploring the Beatitudes. These are statements from Jesus about what a blessed life looks like, and these are a feature piece of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read the next one for you now, and this is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's important to note here that as Jesus was speaking this out, the nation of Israel had been forced into an arrangement which was essentially a man-made, so-called gospel of peace, but from pagan origin. Decades before, Caesar's troops had burst into the scene, proclaiming the rule of the emperor and declaring the region to be under the Pax Romana, the so-called peace of Rome. This, of course, was not the peace Israel wanted. And it's fair to say from the Old Testament that this is not the idea of peace that God wanted for his people either. And as we've seen already, there were many opinions on how to be rid of that false expression of peace. In that first century setting, most of the proposed solutions among the various Jewish groups were quite hostile ones. So you could imagine Jesus' immediate audience being quite attentive to this part of the sermon. Peace in a human sense is what they really wanted. So which of the Jewish approaches was Jesus going to endorse? Well, again, it's none of them. The way of the kingdom of God is above all that. Peace is definitely a distinct characteristic of that kingdom, but it operates at a whole different level. The New Testament tells us that there is in fact a level of hostility in play that God was deeply concerned about, and it was something much more urgent and greater than the occupying force that Israel was subject to. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, we read that all of mankind in our sinful state is in a place of hostility to God. In the original Greek language the New Testament was written in, the word for hostility means utter hatred. It is the direct opposite word of that which is used to describe Christian love in the New Testament. It says there that in that hateful state, man cannot keep the laws of God. They don't want to, and they couldn't, even if they tried. That's a pretty bleak picture of man right there. But we're also told that while we operated in hate, even towards him, God responded to us in love. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8 says this, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us that we hated God and we were in a place of hostility towards him. Jesus came to earth and died for our sinful hostile ways as one major act of love from God towards us. And the result is reconciliation in the most profound possible way. Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 to 20 says this, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Romans chapter 5 verses 10 to 11 tells the story a little more. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we have this idea of God through the work of Jesus being the ultimate peacemaker. He saw that there was hostility. He saw that his created people had a problem with him, even though he clearly didn't have a case to answer for. In other words, humanity was in rebellion and hostility towards God with no reason other than wanting to do what they wanted to do and get their own way. And God went to this hostile people and in the most extreme way carved a path for peace and reconciliation. Up on that hill, as Jesus gave that sermon, he knew all of this was coming. He obviously would be concerned that there was hostility between his people, the Jews, and their human enemies. But he was also deeply concerned with the greater problem of hostility between man and their God. So if the people in that audience wanted an idea of what making peace was all about, they were to look to him and his example, taking note of which level of hostility actually mattered more, and then put their holy exploits and their knowledge into those things. The law of Moses wasn't so much a tool to raise up holy soldiers who could bear arms with clean hands. It was actually a means of reconciliation between God and all of mankind. Let me read to you something in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A Christian is a reconciled person in the most important and powerful way. Any hostility that existed between us and God has been restored and healed. It has ended and the result is peace with God through Jesus. Through the cross, Jesus made peace with us. And then he raises us up to do something that the previous human agendas of the Jews could not accomplish. He entrusts to us a message and a ministry of reconciliation. He gives us profound power to be peacemakers like Jesus was, using his actions on the cross as the means to that end. When Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, he is calling us to operate in the ministry that he himself brings to the earth. This directly heals the rift between heaven and humanity, and it has a flow-on effect into the world around us too. Reconcile people with God, live reconciled lives with each other. A peacemaker, as Jesus described it, means to be a lover and an active agent of peace. 
It calls us to be an active healer of conflict. It calls us to consider the state of relationships all around us. This certainly means horizontally, as in with each other. But more importantly, it means vertically, with God as well. And this has a completely different outcome to merely keeping the peace. Peacemaking is the deliberate end of conflict through healing and reconciliation. Peacekeeping is nothing more than passive and temporal appeasement, meaning hostility will keep sticking its head out from the rug that we swept it under. Jesus had the chance to keep the peace early in the gospel accounts, and we see this very clearly at the start of the gospels. When Jesus was being tempted, he was being offered a blood-free way of supposedly getting his way. He was offered the temporal office of a mere human Messiah, and Satan was willing to let that occur, provided nothing was done to end his rule. If you go back to episode two of this series, you'll see the ways that Satan tried to appeal to Jesus in that way. If Jesus had agreed to those terms at the start, no lasting change would have occurred. In fact, humanity would have still been lost. Reconciliation with God would never have occurred. Instead, Jesus chose the cross because this was required to make genuine peace. And from Jesus' words in Matthew, right through to Paul's words to the Romans and the Corinthians, the role of making peace was passed on to those who would follow him and live according to his kingdom way. It falls on Christians to be active agents of peace in the world around us. And in particular, it falls on us to be the active agent of peace between the world around us and God. In a modern church setting, this means not ignoring divisions and differences of opinion, hoping they'll somehow go away. We're called to live on the front foot with those things, always operating out of the desire to achieve a genuine, peaceful and reconciled outcome. It's helpful that Jesus mentions purity of heart first because that trait in us makes this whole process a whole lot easier. If our heart remains tarnished, we're not qualified to be peacemakers. Jesus chose the cross because he could not become tarnished by the temptation of the devil in the wilderness. In the world around us, we are called to be continually on the front foot in brokering peace. This means bringing the love and the word of God to a world that is hostile to him right now. Christians have within them, through Jesus, a ministry and a message of peace and reconciliation. And I pray that you will always walk that sort of life out in all that you do. Let me remind you quickly of a great summary of people living out a peacemaking disposition. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What a great picture of a peaceful, reconciled people. And what an amazing challenge to live up to. Jesus goes on to say that as we become peacemakers, we will become known as children of God. In the here and now, this refers to the world around us and the Christ-like way we present ourselves to them. We'll explore this sentence shortly, but let me give you a hint of future things. Jesus says this later in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are people of light in Christ, and we're called to shine that light as a transformative force. The world around us should recognize us as authentic people of faith. They should see us as authentic children of God. There should be a sense of family resemblance, as it were. People should look at a Christian and see a glimpse of Jesus himself in them. And being a peacemaker is about as Christ-like as it gets. His very life and ministry was all about that. So if we are peacemakers, that likeness is not going to go unnoticed. Five times in the New Testament, the Lord is described as the God of peace, and he is mentioned many other times as the provider of peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus is prophetically promised as the Prince of Peace. Peace is a major characteristic used to describe the nature of God and the ministry of Jesus, both in his earthly ministry and what he continually does now. When we follow Jesus and take him at his word, we become active agents of peace and our resemblance to Jesus will be remarkable. The world around us will recognize it and in eternity so will our Father in heaven. The world will glorify God because of our peacemaking ways and the Lord will receive us as his own. So let's reflect on that a little bit. Jesus makes the call to become peacemakers and this is an active thing. Peacekeepers watch from the sidelines and seek to appease. But peacemakers get in and get their hands dirty with those who don't know God's peace yet. Peacemakers actively seek to facilitate reconciliation in the church, in the community, and in the spirit. And this is a call for all believers. Does any conflict exist around you at this time? How might you seek reconciliation in that place? What active part do you need to play in that process? To remain on the sidelines is against what Jesus is calling followers to be. There may be conflict in our church, in our communities, in schools and workplaces, in staff rooms, in families and homes. Is the Lord prompting you to get in and be an agent of peace in those places? But more importantly, what conflict exists in the spiritual realm? Jesus was most concerned about this area. And his ministry clearly shows this to be the case. We're told that the sinful mind is hostile to God. If you're a follower of Jesus, this hostility has been reconciled. And as a reconciled person, you have a job to do in being an agent of that reconciliation to others. But what if you're not a follower of Jesus? 
Well, if you've made it this far into the message, then I would suggest the Lord is doing something special right now for you, even as you listen. You may be at this place because He wants you to know that reconciliation with Him is being made available to you. And believe me, we all need that. So will you open your heart to the peace that is now on offer to you as well? With that in mind, we're going to finish this episode now with a word of prayer. First, to the one who needs to avail themselves of God's peace. Why don't you pray this with me? Jesus, thank you for the gospel of peace that is available to me. Thank you for your death on the cross that heals the hostility between me and God. I reach out to that. I cling to that and ask for your peace to rest on me now. Please forgive me for my sinful and hostile ways and heal the divide that exists between you and me through my sin. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that for the first time, why don't you get in contact with a church near you? Speak with a minister or speak to a friendly face there and ask how you can move further forward in this faith in Jesus we've been talking about. Then perhaps we can all pray like this. Jesus, I lean into my call to be a peacemaker, knowing that this is a key expression of your ministry. I receive your peace, and I choose today to be a lover and an active agent of your peace in every setting you lead me, my church, my home, my school, my workplace, and my community. You call me to reconciled life, and you call me to minister the same way. And I will be faithful to that call. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.